Hello and welcome to another episode of ESG Voices. Through interviews with specialists at KPMG and other experts, this podcast series addresses the opportunities and challenges in advancing the environmental, social and governance movement and what it means for a healthy and prosperous society across the globe. Today, we are spotlighting what has been called the continent of opportunity and awakening, Africa. Africa is not a country, but rather a multifaceted continent of 54 nations that offers not just tremendous growth potential for companies and financial investors. To dig into all this on the sidelines of COP27 in Egypt, I'm joined by a panel of sustainability leaders from KPMG firms. With us today, we are joined by Edgar Isingama, Head of ESG and IDAS in Africa. Tracy Lane, Associate Director, KPMG in Kenya, leading on climate change, renewable energy and environment in East Africa. And Dr. Benedict Herles, Director, KPMG's EMEA Head of ESG Insights and Innovation, KPMG in Germany. Edgar, first off, could you set the scene for our listeners and describe what are the main climate impacts and challenges for Africa? When you look at Africa now, coming from Morocco, go down to South Africa, come to East Africa in Kenya, come to Ethiopia and the Congo and Nigeria and all that. Africa is fast, but the major climate changes or impacts which we are seeing in Africa is this, the situation where we are seeing the seasonal rainfalls have changed a lot. There is a huge impact in terms of the rains the floods which are coming in in countries. You last time had the floods happening in Mozambique, destroying the infrastructure. There were floods in Zambia. There was a lake in Zambia which was drying up. And then when we reached in Kenya now, we have not been able to have rainfall. They used to have rainfalls around this period. People do, are not worried about what is going to be the food they'll have to be able to produce. As you know, Africa is very highly dependent on the natural environment, on the natural weather, to be able to grow food crops and all that. And then when you move on to countries like Uganda, in Ghana and all that, we are also seeing that the rains have started to become very unseasonal. And this is also impacting livelihoods. It's impacting the people's investments in agriculture. And now we are becoming highly dependent on irrigation and which people cannot be able to afford. And then the destruction of infrastructure. Roads are getting destroyed because of the floods which are happening. Railway systems are being carried away because of the floods which are happening. And then because this has happened, because the natural environment, the natural habitats have had a lot of pressure from the population and the floods have been cut down, the, 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 the swamps have been encroached on, and this is what we are seeing in the major parts of Africa. Edgar has just walked through some climate challenges in Africa. Could you each share energy investment opportunities? Benedict, can I start with you? Yeah, uh, sure. So let me perhaps uh, mention and and speak about one of the hottest energy-related topics at the moment, which is LNG, so liquefied natural gas. Obviously, in in the current geopolitical environment, Europe and especially countries like Germany or also Italy have to find new sources of gas to sustain their energy supply to both industry and consumers. And liquefied natural gas is projected to meet 
about half of Europe's gas demand through 2030. So this does obviously represent a massive opportunity for Africa as a source of LNG. Countries like Algeria, Nigeria, Tanzania, Senegal, or also Niger do have significant gas reserves. So it's no wonder that since the war in the Ukraine broke out in February, we saw a, a rise of European-African collaboration in the field. And let me perhaps give you some examples. We saw a multitude of supply deals, both multilateral and bilateral between Europe and Algeria. In April, for example, Italy secured a deal to receive supply of 9 billion cubic meters of gas until the end of 2023. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz was visiting Senegal and Niger this summer. Uh, the country plans to collaborate with Senegal to exploit the, the offshore gas fields of the country. Um, first gas is expected to be exported from these fields in December 2023. Tanzania has signed an LNG framework agreement to build an LNG export terminal on the Indian Ocean worth 30 to 40 billion dollars. Algeria, Nigeria, Niger have also revived plans to build a 2,500 mile long gas pipeline across the Sahara. This alone would be a $10 billion infrastructure project, which would connect Nigerian gas supply to European markets. So LNG is a big opportunity for Africa, but there are also, as so often, massive challenges. Nigeria, for example, is struggling with repeated production outages and underinvestment. The country's LNG facilities are operating at um, approximately less than 70% of their capacity so that the, the actual exports um, fell from 2021 to 2022. Just recently, um, actually widespread flooding just heavily disrupted the production of LNG in Nigeria. Now, LNG is obviously not a climate investment opportunity. It's an energy investment opportunity, but it's not climate. It's, it's rather the opposite. It's an investment in a fossil energy source. So on the other side, Africa does also have the opportunity to become a leading supplier of renewable energy. The climatic conditions in Northern Africa in particular are ideal for the production of green hydrogen, for example. I do see a big opportunity for investments in, in solar energy. Um, already some of the largest photovoltaic projects have been realized in the Sahara, in Morocco, for example. Now, this idea is, is not new. More than a decade ago, there were already projects in place to produce electricity in Morocco and then directly export it to Europe through a, a connected grid. However, these projects failed, both economically and also politically. Personally, I, I do not think the future will bring the export of electricity from Africa, but rather the export of green hydrogen. To produce green hydrogen, you need renewable energy, for example, in the form of solar energy, but green hydrogen is much easier to export compared to electricity because if liquefied, an existing gas or oil transport infrastructure, at least in theory, can be used. But let me say one thing which is really, really important. This is all really fascinating and a massive opportunity for Africa. But what is really also a little bit frustrating is that while we are talking about this tremendous uh, opportunities um, in the field of energy, access to energy is still one of the biggest challenges in Africa. Sub-Saharan Africa has the lowest energy access rate in the world. Half of the people are not connected to an energy grid. So basically, first of all, 
I would say we really have to overcome this contradiction. Edgar, do you have any thoughts? There are huge energy investment opportunities in Africa. For instance, Africa presents at least 12 hours of sunshine. And therefore, for anybody interested in investing in solar, it, there are huge opportunities coming from the north in, 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 in Morocco, in Egypt, come to, to Ghana, come to Nigeria, come to the Central Africa, uh, East Africa and Southern Africa. We all have 12 hours of sunshine. It presents a huge opportunity for those who companies who are interested in investing in renewable energy in terms of solar. In terms of wind, we also have a lot of opportunities because most of many parts of Africa are flat and some of them are islands, presenting such opportunities for people where they can be able to invest in Africa. And then, of course, the hydro aspects, which are renewable energies, Africa has large rivers, River Congo, uh, River Nile, Limpopo, and all that. These have got huge folds, and these folds can be invested in in terms of generating so, uh, hydropower and all that. But we are also seeing a lot in terms of appropriate technologies which can be used for us in Africa here to bring about many, many changes and improve livelihoods. The opportunities can be seen in terms of adaptable technology, which can come in, people can use it, reach far areas which cannot be reached. For instance, if you take about uh, off-grid uh, solutions, people can be able to invest in such off-grid solutions. There are also opportunities in terms of clean cooking technologies for countries, for those who are looking for investments in Africa. Across the entire Africa, these opportunities are there and one can be able to invest in such. And Tracy, would you add anything? Thanks. Yeah, just to add to what Benedict was saying on, on LNG as an opportunity, I mean, the, the European Union has recently designated natural gas as a transition fuel under its sustainable finance taxonomy, which means that it can, in some circumstances, qualify as a sustainable investment. Now, that's somewhat controversial, but nonetheless, it is opening up some opportunity, again, for investment. Um, Benedict mentioned several investments in countries that are, are newly um, connected in terms of import and export of LNG. Another example even just announced this week is uh, Mozambique, will begin exporting LNG to Europe uh, this November in the next few weeks and with, with some new uh, gas fields coming online next year. On the renewable energy side, um, fully agree with, with Benedict's points there. The real opportunities and the real need are around energy access within Africa. Um, there's a, a, a significant deficit of energy, not just at the household level, but to power businesses and economic growth across the region. Uh, some of the opportunities for investment that we've seen a lot of uh, international investment taking place is in the off-grid space. So in um, decentralized energy, such as mini grids, solar home systems, as well as uh, productive use technologies, such as solar water pumps, solar cooling facilities, and other technologies, which would bring substantial benefits to the small and medium enterprises, smallholder farmers across the, the continent. Another opportunity for investment is around the carbon markets. The IEA estimates that Africa needs about 190 billion US dollars per year between now and 2030 to achieve its climate goals. 
and developed countries have also pledged to provide $100 billion per year in climate finance to developing countries, but to date that level of climate finance flows have not materialized. Now, carbon markets could be a substantial opportunity for Africa to fill that gap, helping to fund the clean energy transition to alleviate energy poverty and also to tackle climate change through nature-based solutions. There are already many fascinating examples of how innovative companies and nonprofits are tapping into carbon markets to provide additional revenue streams to expand their operations deeper into Africa, to lower prices to consumers, um, which is enabling greater access, and also to fund conservation activities. Sectors active in carbon markets include uh, renewable energy, clean cooking, forestry, and agriculture. And th these carbon credits can also enable governments to fund economic development initiatives and help them to meet their own climate commitments and increase spending on climate adaptation, which to date has been a severely underfunded component of climate finance. Edgar, Tracy and Benedict, Europe is clearly struggling with an energy crisis. From your perspective, how can Africa and Europe work together to achieve energy independence and equally benefit from this independence? The energy crisis is true. In Africa, we are having that energy crisis, and it has been there for, for, for a long time. Europe and Africa definitely can work together, first of all, by structuring in terms of appropriate models of financing these uh, projects to be able to help us in terms of address our energy deficits, such that when they come here, they can be able to structure of appropriate maybe bonds green bonds, which can be able to allow us to address our energy deficits. The other way is for African governments and African investors to try as early as possible identify these projects which are there and be able to structure them appropriately for someone in Europe to know that such and such a project exists. There are many opportunities which are here, but they are not presented in an investable uh, format where someone sitting in Europe can be able to say, oh, I like this project. So they will need to try and bring in what I, I would call catalytic capital to try and make these projects appropriate and ready for an investor to be able to look through and be able to put money in such, such projects. But also, other than structuring investments, identifying projects, there is another opportunity which I see for Europe and Africa to work together is to go to the point of real identification of alternatives in terms of technologies which I've talked about, which can be able to work. Europe can also be able to come here and share with us what has really worked in Europe and say this has worked. And then Africa can be able to address these deficits in terms of energy. Tracy, do you have any thoughts? So Africa has the potential to meet its own energy needs while also supporting Europe to achieve security of supply. However, bringing these projects to fruition will really require opening our minds to new approaches and new partnerships. It will require a coordinated effort to bring um, new collaborations into play and bring in support from development partners and public sector for early stage project development, such as through project preparation facilities and de-risking of investments through guarantees and blended finance approaches, and linking up private investors who are interested in investing in, in, in Africa 
to the opportunities that are here. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to come together with new partnerships, new collaborationship, new collaborations, new relationships, and, and really achieve that impact to mutual benefit. It's just going to take some, some creative thinking and some um, really determination to, to make it work. And Benedict, do you have any thoughts? So to be honest, I think Europe and Africa can benefit heavily from each other in, in many respects and actually not limited to energy. In, in theory, Africa really has it all. Natural resources, lots of sun, lots of wind, a young population, thriving urban centers, and Africa is close to Europe in, in terms of the geography. At the closest point, it's just uh, 80 kilometers from Tunisia to Italy. That's great if you want to export clean energy or any other thing. And uh, just take my home country, Germany, for example. It's the world's fourth largest economy. It is dependent on industrial production, which requires, obviously, cheap energy. Now, with Russia's failure as a cheap gas supplier and with the required energy transformation to reach our climate goals, the central question is, and it's really a burning question, where to get our clean energy from in the future. And Africa is one element of the answer to this question. Of course, we must make sure Africa profits from this geopolitical and energy transformation shift. But what really is motivating from my perspective is the increased attention which Africa receives on a political level in countries like Germany. I was mentioning Olaf Scholz, um, visit to Senegal and Niger already. Before our chancellor spoke to the United Nations General Assembly in September in New York, he was meeting with African representatives. This is because it is clear how important the continent has become from a, a geopolitics perspective. Furthermore, Africa offers tremendous diversification potential for European and especially for German uh, companies and the German economy. Again, not only in the field of energy, also, for example, when it comes to industrial production itself, the German industry is heavily dependent on China as an import, but also as an export market. And with an increasingly adverse political and economic environment there, we need to look at alternatives. And Africa is exactly this. It's an alternative. So summarizing, I project, but I also hope that, that we see increased investments from Europe into Africa. Uh, but of course, we do have to create structures in which local communities profit from these investments. Finally, what piece of advice could each of you provide for our listeners based on today's topic? Edgar. For me, the listeners today, guys, my advice would be climate change is real, but there are also present opportunities for us to be able to address this climate change. And if we can work collaboratively together, whether it is Europe, whether it is in America, come together and Africa, we find a solution which is appropriate to address our challenges. The African challenges which are on climate change cannot be addressed by only Africa. We only have to work collectively and be able to address these challenges. The investment there can, it can present good returns to people who are out there in Europe, in America, to come and invest here because there is huge, huge opportunity in Africa here. But finally, we are all in it together. We need to work together to address the issues of climate change wherever we are sitting. And Tracy? 
So my, my advice for anyone interested in this topic is really to focus on how any investments and cooperation can be a win-win for both sides, for Africa and all of the countries in Africa, but also the people and the communities that are impacted by any of these investments. Many of um, the opportunities that we're we are talking about today are larger scale initiatives um, infrastructure projects, and I think it's really important to make sure that any any investment made is done to, to mutually benefit both sides, but especially those communities living in the um, living in these countries, making sure that they benefit equally from these opportunities as the governments on both sides of the equation do as well. And Benedict, any final thoughts? So my top advice goes to European decision makers. Put Africa on your sea level agenda, but be aware of the fact that Africa is, is of course, complex and requires informed decisions as well as, of course, local, local networks. Many of the 54 countries on the continent offer tremendous opportunities for smart investors. But if we want to see increased investments into Africa, we also need to increase the knowledge on Africa. So, so many European companies, and especially German companies, have entirely overlooked Africa in the last decades. This was also due to a lack of expertise. And frankly, I think this was a mistake. Thank you all for joining me today. You've given our listeners a lot to think about. Join us again next time for more insights from ESG leaders and innovators. You can also find our latest insights covering a range of ESG topics by visiting home.kpmg forward slash ESG. Thanks for listening.